passion itself, it, it literally means to suffer. Passion means to suffer. So I, I think one of the messages I would I would really share with folks is embrace the suffering that you endure in life. Because a fulfilling life isn't about me. It's not about you, but it's about the people around you. On this episode of the Creators Community, we'll meet Stephen Mezzacappa, a business development engineer for one of the largest commercial construction companies in America, and a young man who can now add published author to his list of many accomplishments. Learn how Stephen found an early passion for architecture and also helping others find their purpose. We'll hear stories about Stephen's personal struggles with mental health, how he found a way past the struggles, and the model he's developed to help himself and many others looking to take control of their lives and live a greater life of purpose. Check out the show. Welcome to the first season of The Creator Community. This is a brand new podcast series from book publisher New Degree Press. I'm your host, John Saunders, founder of Forward Advisory Solutions. The show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, NDP will cross over 1,000 published authors. In this show, we will get to know the authors and their books, as well as give you a behind-the-scenes look at their journey. We'll find out what it takes to bring a book from an idea to being available wherever you buy books online. It's no easy task. Today, I have with me Steve Mezzacappa, author of Passion with Purpose, The Fire Within, Building a Life of Fulfillment, Destiny, and Impact. Steve is a business development engineer for Turner Construction Company, one of the country's largest commercial construction management firms. He graduated from the Pennsylvania from the Pennsylvania State University with a degree in architectural engineering and was recognized as the nation's new face of civil engineering in 2016. Having a passion to build buildings since he was a child, Steve has grown to develop a passion for people and is on a mission to inspire, encourage, and empower others around him. This mission serves as a cornerstone of Passion with Purpose, an organization and movement founded while Steve was in, was in college that he continues to operate today. Steve's book just published a few weeks ago and is available wherever you buy books online. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be a part of this podcast. You know, I can't wait to dig into your book. It's, it, it's great to have you, but I can't wait to dig into your book. But I think a good place to start is learn a little bit more about your background and career. Could you share with us a bit of that, that story? Yeah. So, so like you mentioned, I graduated from Penn State in, in 2017 with a degree in architectural engineering. And I'm well, sure we'll get there. But one thing I've always wanted to do my whole life was build buildings, right? So, um, you know, aside from building buildings, my dream is to work for Turner Construction, the company I work with now. So I began my career with Turner when I was 19 years old, um, an intern out of, out of my first year uh, of uh, my freshman year of school. And I went on to continue to do four consecutive internships. And I talk about it in my book a little bit with Turner. And um, most of them were in Philadelphia. One of them was actually international in Mexico City, which was a huge experience that I had that really led to a lot more inspiration for this book. Um, but yeah, so I spent a couple of years out of Turner's Philadelphia business unit. And now I live in Pittsburgh with, um, with Turner and I work in business development and, and sales, which is a whole other, whole the world of construction. It's a really exciting um, part of the, of the field to be in. So you've had a pretty broad experience, had a little global exposure in there. That's awesome. We're getting to work in Mexico. You know, where do you think your interest in architecture came from? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I, you know, growing up, my dad was uh, he he built residential homes, and then so you know, at an early age, I would walk the projects and see what he was building, and I just loved being 
you know, in the field on those homes, walking around and, and seeing things being built and being brought to life. So that's where the spark um, w- was was brought about. So at an early age, I just I really I was always hands on. I like getting my hands dirty, and it's like building stuff, you know. And you know, nine eleven happened when I was about seven or so. Um, and it's interesting because a few years after that, my my aspirations went from building homes to wanting to build commercial high rise structures. So I would say beginning in seventh or eighth grade or so, you know, is when I really had these desires that went from just wanting to build regular homes to wanting to build mega structures and superstructures and skyscrapers. And that's kind of how I first learned about Turner. I was, you know, only in eighth grade and I knew that they built some of the world's largest buildings. And that's what I wanted to be a part of. And fast forward now, here I am, you know, working with them. Um, it's quite a surreal experience in a way. I mean, I feel like it's been in your your life. It's been in your life forever. Uh, were you a kid who liked Legos? As a were you, did you play? Oh Legos yeah, as I, a kid? Right. I was obsessed with Legos, connects, um, and then even three D puzzles that came out when I was like in high school, which I still had a lot of fun with. So yeah, always always liking to build things with my hands. But you know what's really interesting? Even before the aspirations to want to build, I wanted to be an author, which is crazy. I you know I used to literally grab the stack of paper out of the printer stapled together, fold it and say authored by Steve Mezzacapa. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, it, you know, it, it's really interesting how my dreams and aspirations came to be. And I talk a lot more detail in the book, about how I really formed a lot of my dreams. Um, but it's really interesting because I think things do come full circle. You know, I, you know, again, like I mentioned before, we even wanted to build buildings. I wanted to be an author and I want to inspire people. So it's really interesting that you, even though accomplishing my dreams now, I still have that deep desire to really mentor other people, encourage other people, inspire other people. That's awesome. So it's really the book and your career seem like just a uh, just part of the journey you've always been destined to be on. That's awesome. You know, we, we mentioned in the lead in in your introduction that you founded this organization, Passion with Purpose, while you were in college. You know, how did that happen, and what what really motivates you to keep it going today? Yeah, you know, it's a long story, so I'll try to be concise with it. But um, the idea of it really started as early as my my freshman year of school. Um, you know, I, I grew up in Staten Island, New York. A pretty big, you know, city. But I went to high school with about a thousand students. Could be decent sized high school. But once I went to Penn State, it was large. You know, forty thousand undergraduate students. So a lot of students. But one of the biggest things I noticed right away on college was just like this uh, culture of peer pressure, right? And and individuals going into a new environment and feeling as though they needed to be someone else to fit in, right? And 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 I think that creates a roadblock for really being truly authentic. So that was one of the first ideas. I was like, wow, you know, one thing I noticed and observed, I was like. It'd be great if more students were empowered to really be the true, authentic selves. So that was like part one. And there's like three parts to the, how it really came to be. Part two was I was involved in a student organization called Bridges to Prosperity. And this is a global nonprofit organization. And their mission is to end poverty um, caused by rural isolation through the development and construction of footbridges in other countries abroad. And so I was a student. I traveled to Panama twice um, to work with communities in, in developing these bridges. So that the community members would have safe access to school, healthcare opportunities, and marketplace opportunities as well. And one of the biggest things I learned from those experiences was that it wasn't about just going down there with the tools and resources to build a bridge, but there was a lot of this internal leadership that happened within the students traveling and also within the community. It wasn't just about going there to help build a bridge or, you know, go through the engineering with the community to build it, but it was really about inspiring, encouraging, and empowering that community, right? And, And in this experience, you know, I had this experience like what what it's like to have a passion with a purpose, right? And before this phrase passion with purpose came to mind, it was passion in action, like this powerful thing that happens in the hearts of everyone involved in an endeavor when one's passion is being put into action, 
not for the benefit of oneself, but for the benefit of someone else. So that was part two, that experience. And then, and then part three was kind of what led to this book and, and realizing that passion is actually complicated. You know, it's not, you know, a lot, a lot of people say, follow your passion, like it's a noun or a hobby. But in my book, I really like to take that head on and redefine passion. It's not something that you follow, but something that you truly experience and cultivate and build within you. Like passion is not like a noun, something you, you love to do, but it's the way you meet adversity. So the, all those stories coming together, that's really what led to the idea of passion with purpose happening and, and kind of aspirations moving forward with what I'd like to do with the organization. When I was a student, it was, it was a club, but now there's been advanced um, visions for it that I've been developing and you know putting together on paper. What it would look like to have passion purposes, university chapters, industry chapters, uh, life coaching, speaking, um, a variety of, of different things. But if I had to put it in a nutshell, the whole idea of passion with purpose is to really empower others to, to live out what their callings are despite the adversity that comes at, at play. I really appreciate these concepts around authenticity, being yourself, being being something where you can help others and make make the world a better place. Uh, I can't imagine that experience and seeing the power of building these bridges for people. We take right so much for this for granted. And here you are, like these people couldn't get to the hospital or things like this before. And here you are helping them. That's what an unbelievable story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so quite an incredible journey that led you to this building this organization. Let's talk a little bit about your book journey, right? How did you become an author? How did you get from this idea to actually having a book published out there in the world? And how did you fit it into your life? Yeah, it was, it was, I'm not gonna lie, it was very hard to fit it in. And um, <laughs> and there were a lot of times I wanted to quit. I want to throw in a towel. Those closest to me saw the challenge of it, especially my dog Toby. He was probably one of the biggest encouragers. You know, he was actually always in the room with me whenever I was I was writing, which is always encouraging. But you know, it's interesting because like I mentioned, I, I wanted to be an author my whole life, but sometimes that's not enough. There has to be a why to ground you. And the vision for this book specifically started around my senior year of college. You know, and this was, you know, right around the end of 2017. So about four years ago, it took to really make this happen. You know, and I tried to go to self-publishing route, but I just, again, how do I fit into starting a new career was tough, right? I just didn't have that discipline or that coaching or like that, that true empowerment to really make it happen. And I think what really helped make this book a reality was the support from New Degree Press. You know, they didn't just give you the resources you needed, but they they gave you editors, coaches, um, and deadlines. You know, because I remember one of the biggest things we learned up front um, with Professor Eric uh, Coaster, who really put this whole program together and continues. It's an amazing. And if anyone wants to be an author out there, really look up the Creator Institute and New Degree Press, because if it wasn't for that program, I w- this wouldn't have happened. But but back to the story of it, you know, I've learned that I was a deadline writer, a, a deadline writer, which is another nice way of saying procrastinator. Now, <laughs> I, I knew that coming into the journey and I told myself, oh, Steve, you're not going to be a deadline writer this time. But yes, I was a deadline writer, you know, and, but long story short, um, I think having those deadlines and people that come alongside you that helped me, like my, my marketing revisions editor, I would go to like, look, Cynthia, I don't know if I'm really going to get this done. She's like, you're, you're right. You're going to get that. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to get them. So you're going to get it done. And that really encouraged me. And, um, you know, my discipline was really, was really tested and I had no choice, but there, I had to make some sacrifices and, you know, I didn't realize how, one of the biggest things really from writing the book too, I didn't realize how distracted we are in life, whether it's your phone, work, family, you know, I had to wake up early when everyone was sleeping to really write sometimes 3am, sometimes 4am. And I would say about a third of my book was written two weeks before the final deadline. <laughs> and those were in the hours between 4am and 7am. And that was the only way to really make it happen. And I think one of the things that really helped aside from the deadlines was just a clear vision for the book. 
And I really thank God for that because, you know, my book is definitely rooted in, in my faith and it, we'll get to that, I'm sure. But that clear vision, it, it wasn't just about me or just trying to live a dream anymore, right? It, it was, I think that what helped me stay true to this motivation was that this book would help others. And I think that's what really helped solidify and ground me in making it happen. Because if it was just to, you know, achieve a dream, I probably would have gave up. But because it's bigger than myself and it, you know, there's a lot of different themes and concepts like such as mental health in it. It's a serious, important book with important themes to me. And I, you know, I didn't want to give up on that because, you know, it was one of those things where if I gave up on it, it would continually be in the back of my mind. Because you wanted to get it done. Yeah. Just, you know, just for a little bit of contrast, there are different styles of writing, right? So you were more the deadline writer. There's also the episodic writer. And there's also the consistent writer, which was more my approach, just kind of pecking away at it a couple hours each and every day. And so one thing nice and just sort of contrast, I think, to your style was what's great about, I think one of the great things about this program is that it's choose your, choose one, which one works for you. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. I, I I really appreciate the fact that, you know, it was your passion, this energy to help others. It really pushed along, which clearly has been a theme in your life. So as you look across and think about others that might consider something like this in their future, you know, what advice would you give to a, a first time author? Yeah, I'd say one of the biggest is, and again, it can vary from person to person, but I think there's no shame in getting help and getting an editor or going through a program. You know, I, I think it's very easy to have this vision of being an author, like just hanging out in a coffee shop by yourself, like a very isolated experience. But I think if you go about it in a collaborative environment where you're building relationships with other authors, getting coached, I think that is so powerful. That will really help you go from dream to reality. And I think another thing, another phrase I've heard by many others, and I think even some authors, friends in, in the program had said this too, that is that's done is better than perfect. If you try to be perfect, it will never get done. You know, I, one of the biggest challenges I encountered was all these different ideas. And, and so much so that I literally created a, a separate spreadsheet. And I, I, by the end of me writing the book, I had an idea had about ideas for 20 other books. So, so you, you have to realize you can't fit all in one book. That's okay, right? You're just beginning the journey of being an author. I feel as though if you have the aspiration to be an author within you, it's not just a one book thing. It's really a lifetime of that that you want to cultivate and continue forward. So I, I think it's really putting yourself in community and then coming true to, to locking down your desires and staying focused and being disciplined. Such an important part of the journey because it, it does take a lot of energy and you have to have a big why behind it. And I think I think uh, many do, but then it's also having that discipline and, and structure to get through it, which is so important. You know, we talked a little bit about this, but let's dig a bit more deeply into your inspiration for writing this book. It seems like it's a natural outcome of your lifelong journey, but let's let's dig in a bit more there. What, where did you really find the inspiration? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. Like you mentioned, it's a culmination of a lot of my life events, but also where I want to go with those. Um, so if I had to name a few things, I think some of the biggest inspirations was one, my relationship with God, huge inspiration That's that really kind of held the, the glue of this book together. You know, one of the, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little later too. You know, my book is grounded in a lot of biblical principles. And when I was first writing the book, I wasn't too sure because I, I could see the book being applicable to people of faith or not of faith. And I was like, how, which, which tone, how do I want to go with it? But as I wrote it, the more it became more theological, more beyond what I was expecting it to be. And so that was a huge inspiration was my faith and my relationship with God. And another inspiration was just my experiences with mental health. And uh, challenges with it, you know. I, it's, you know, I, I think we've done better as a society in in combating mental health and you know confronting the stigma. But I still think there's a lot of work and effort we could do. So, you know, my book isn't necessarily focused on mental health, but it's definitely 
one theme, underlying theme of it. And I'm curious to see if individuals will see it. You know, I hope folks that are, might be struggling could kind of see it and find hope within it. Because to me, you know, I mentioned passion isn't something that you find or, or do, but it's something that you experience and cultivate. And another way, you know, I didn't go too deep into this in the book because I want to save it for an, another book focused on mental health. But I kind of see passion as this idea of mental health too, like this emotional well-being. You know, I, I really define passion as a soul on fire. You know, and we look at mental health as mental health, like of the mind. But what if we looked at it as soul health? You know, not just looking at just our thoughts, but realizing there's an interaction between our thought life, our emotional life, and our volitional life. And that all plays together in a symphony of who we are, what makes up our mental well-being. You know, I think about this topic certainly is mental health is coming up more and more. And uh, I heard somebody the other day say something that really got my attention. They said, throughout school, right, we we have all these different classes for, you know, physical education, sex education, right? Where's the mental health education class? And I never thought about that before. And that really struck me. And certainly your story speaks to this. You know, as you think back on this, you know, months and months of writing and research, what do you think throughout your book? What was the most difficult chapter for you to, to put together and get on paper? And, and, and why? Interesting. And I think it goes along with mental health. And why. I think the most difficult chapter was, I believe it's in part one, of why we struggle. Because that's a loaded question. And, and, I, and I say it was difficult because I hope I did it justice. Um, because there's a lot of reasons why we struggle. And I think one of the biggest points I want to get across in the chapter is that it's okay to struggle. You know, part one of my book focuses around the idea of fulfillment. And I think culture paints this picture that fulfillment is the absence of suffering. But what if fulfillment is truly the presence of peace amidst suffering? You know, and, and I think it's really important to look at it that way because we're going to go through life and encounter adversity. And, you know, I'm 27 now, but as I've continually grown every year and year, there's different obstacles. You know, I look back when I was like, you know, and, and I experienced some challenges when I was growing up too, but life gets more challenging as you go. And, and, and I don't know how realistic it is to pursue a life with the absence of suffering. I think the question should be, how do we meet adversity? And that's where passion comes to play, right? Taking command of your thought life, your emotions and your volition and applying that to the adversity in hand. So that, you know, if God's called us to do something bigger than ourselves, of course, we're going to experience challenging and maybe suffering along the way. But if we could, you know, have that discipline to, to stay the test and stay firm amidst the suffering, and, and stay true to it, you know, we'll, we'll have that impact bigger than ourselves because fulfillment really isn't about us. What, what joys and pleasures of the world can I fill my soul with? I think fulfillment is what love and peace can I really fill in the souls of those around me? And sometimes that requires sacrifice and seasons of suffering, you know? Really incredible and a fascinating way to think about uh, how many of us deal with adversity, right? So we can walk into it a couple different ways. And one is to say, oh, this, all these things are happening to me and I'm just going to give up or, or quit as you even considered early on in your book journey, as you talked about. And by the way, I did too when I wrote my book. And having that that different understanding of fulfillment and figuring out a way to get there, I think is a, just a fantastic message. You know, speaking of this journey and the struggle you went on, you know, was there any learning you had about yourself during this journey? During, during the writing journey specifically. Oh, sorry, during the author journey, yeah. Yeah, during the author journey? Yes. I, you know, it's funny. I knew I was a procrastinator, but this made <laughs> me really realize how much of a procrastinator I was, um, which, is, which is funny. But, it, you know, it's going to sound funny. It's kind of cliche, but I learned that, you know, I could become a morning person. And that was probably one of my favorite things because when I woke up at 4 a.m., and this was only like two weeks. I don't want people to think I was doing this for three months. No, it, it, I only lasted two weeks doing this. Um, but I like to get back to it because 
there's something so peaceful about being up 4 a.m., 5 a.m. No one's really up yet. There's no distractions. You can scroll on social media if you want, but there's no one bothering you. And, and you could just really have this peace and really confront the deepest thoughts that you have. Um, so that was one of the biggest things I learned from the journey, which is something I really hope to apply continually in my life is this idea of waking up earlier and whether it's journaling or prayer, um, studying scripture, those are things I really want to incorporate more into my life. It made me realize, you know, how, again, another thing I learned too, is you don't have to go the journey alone, whether it's a dream to write a book or encountering adversity in your life. I think it's really important to involve community, but the right, I think you have to discern which individuals you let in on your challenges in life. But you know, I think sometimes our fear to let others in could stop us from, you know, getting others come alongside of us. But I think it's really important. Um, I actually talk about this in part three of my book too, actually, that's about how the Holy Spirit comes alongside people to empower them. So th- this idea of letting people in on your journey to empower you, come alongside you, I think is really important. That takes a good bit of vulnerability, I think, right? And to, to, to expose yourself to someone like that and let them into that inner circle and see this struggle, this journey you're on and ask for their help. Uh, and on that, on that vein, you know, you're pretty open about your mental health struggles that you've had in the book. Can you share us a little bit about a little bit about that on your journey today and, and how things are going for you? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of vulnerability, it's funny. I know, um, especially because it's a long story, but, um, it's interesting because I was nervous when I was writing the book, um, to open up about certain things. Cause I was curious what people would think even more so with, um, with family. Cause I didn't want, you know, this is quite a few years now and I'm in a great place now. Um, but I, I was curious to see what would happen, but it's been positive since I've opened up in my book and I'm happy I have, because I think it's easy to, to stay quiet about the challenges that we could face internally that no one knows about. Now, granted, I don't think everyone needs to know what's going on and one struggling, but I think it's really helpful for a few people to know, but you know, I, I had, ex- I had, you know, battled anxiety for a, lo- a long time, you know, starting in probably eighth, ninth grade is when I really started to deal with anxiety, anxious thoughts, a little bit of depression. But at that age, I didn't really understand or know it. So I didn't really, I kept it to myself. Um, then I went, to, I went to college is when I really started to st- struggle with more severe anxiety um, and depression a little more sporadically. So I didn't start getting help until probably my sophomore year of school. But um, when I, you know, once you know, I was in school for five years in a five-year program. Once I came around to my fifth year, that's when I really struggled with depression in a way that wasn't just for a couple of weeks, but it was probably the most, the entire year, last year of school. Um, and it was tough, you know, but it's funny, you know, I look back with gratitude because if I didn't have that experience, this book would have never been what it was. You know, one of the books I thought about writing when I was in college was like, oh, how do I get, how can I empower college students to go beyond academics and have an impact, right? Great concept, but this book is so much deeper than a concept like that, but it's about really how to restore one's passion, restore one's soul. And what happened, it's a long, you know, what happened was when I, my, when I was in my last year of school, I had started to work with a Christian psychologist and, um, and really helped me, you know, revitalize my faith. And, and it gave me a whole different perspective of mental health. You know, I started to get hope and I started to understand um, what, what I was struggling with and realizing that, there were ties to my childhood, you know, and I always had this in the back of my mind. Like I knew, I knew I was struggling with anxiety. I knew I was dealing with depression, but I knew that there were reasons for it, but I just didn't know how to, how to process and deal with that. You know, my parents had gotten separated when I was, you know, when I was about nine or 10 years old and um, my dad had struggled with, with addiction um, for, for a few years when I was growing up too. So I knew those, those planted seeds of rejection, abandonment, and plenty of other things. 
but I never knew how to really deal with that, how to reconcile that. And I knew that if I could walk through a journey of reconciling that, it would put me on a path to hope and restoration. Um, and, and that's what happened. That last year, I went on that process to confront the pain I had experienced in my life head on. And it was a long journey. It didn't happen overnight. Um, there, it took probably quite a couple of years. Like, I can't tell you when I went from being struggling to being okay. It was like a very long drawn out process, but, um, but I feel so blessed to say for the past couple of years, it's, it's like, it's sometimes hard to talk about what I experienced with the mental health struggles when I was in college. Cause it feels like not even real. Cause it's just not what I feel now. You know, it's hard to, you know, I, I can almost express it. I don't use this word lightly, but it's almost like a miracle of where I was to where I'm at now. Um, so it's interesting. And that was kind of sometimes hard to talk about in the book. Cause I, I had to go back to my journal to be like, did I really feel that way? Cause I don't feel that way at all right now. So I, I took in a couple of journal entries while I was in school and I look back, I go, Whoa, it's amazing where I was and where I'm now. And, and I, thanks be to God. And for that, and, 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 you know, and what I'll just say to others on the, that are listening, you know, if you are struggling with mental health, I, I really encourage you to get help. There is no shame in it at all. Um, seek help, get help. And if you're working with someone and not, and you don't feel like they're helping, then go work with someone else. Cause they're out there, but, um, have hope. And I know it, it might be hard to say that. And I know people would say that to me, but I was like, what do you, you don't know what you're talking about, but just seek help. Don't give up and, and keep, just keep pushing through because it gets better. I know it doesn't seem that way sometimes, but it, it does. Quite a journey you've been on, uh, through your whole experience, different, different countries and this, the struggles you've been through in mental health and how you found your way through is, is pretty darn impressive. And, and you developed this model right around passion with purpose. And it, did it come from that struggle or, you know, share with us a bit about how you came up with that model, if you would. It did. It absolutely did. And it's, it's an amazing story because it, it, it brings together all of my experiences. Um, so what happened was when Passion with Purpose was starting off as a club, there were three major words that were grounding it. The three words of inspiration, encouragement, and empower, empowerment. And those three words are really at the foundations of the book as well. So, you know, I, I, those three words came to be because when it came to motivating students on campus, you know, how do you really motivate others that are so busy with their academics to do things for a club? And I realized I learned from a leadership standpoint that if you keep them inspired, clear the vision, if you keep them encouraged, make them feel confident what they're going to do and empowered, meaning they have the resources to do what they're going to do, they'll be motivated to get it done, right? And fast forward to my last school, and this is when I was really struggling um, with, with my mental health and when I was working with um, uh, my, my Christian psychologist, you know, he, he taught me the three aspects of the soul. And this is a major theme of my book that I talk about, the three faculties of the soul being comprised of our intellect, our emotion, and our will. Um, intellect being our organ of thoughts, our emotions being our organ of um, affections and desires and feelings, and our, our will being the organ of our, of our choices that we make um, and decision-making. So I'll never forget it. I was, I was in a car in Panama on spring break my last year. And what we were doing, we were a couple of friends and I, we were visiting all the bridges we had built, a part of that club called Bridges to Prosperity. So I'm sitting in the car and all I have, I have this epiphany. I go, inspire, encourage, empower, intellect, emotion, will. Now, it wasn't that lateral, but I had the three groupings of words. And I just start drawing matching columns. I'm like, oh my gosh, inspiration affects intellect. Encouragement affects emotion and empowerment affects will. It blew my mind because uh, I always wonder why those three words are so powerful, but it's because it's so powerful is because they are directly applicable to the three different aspects of the human soul. And that's where this whole idea of this passion and purpose model came to be. It's very much a leadership model you could use. But it's it, it even grown to be a spiritual model because 
in my book, I take that passion purpose model and then I tie it to the Holy Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And, you know, you could ignite passion in someone else by inspiring them, encouraging them and empowering them. But I've also learned too, that you could let God ignite the passion within you by letting God, the Father, be the minister to our mind and our intellect, by letting Jesus be the encourager of our emotional life. And by the Holy Spirit coming along and being a minister to our will by empowering us. So when I started pulling these trees together, it's that's what really made this passion purpose model come together. It's like these triangles, and you could see it on my website and, and within the book. Um, but it's it's a really interesting model. It's really the cornerstone of the book and passion with purpose. And and really how I interact with anybody that I meet. You know, if I'm in a whether it's a romantic relationship, a friendship, a colleague, I want to leave them feeling inspired encouraged, empowered, because it's going to breathe life into them. We, we, you know, I think we live in a world where people are all about taking, 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 but what if we give the words, inspire, encourage, empower. It's not about taking from someone you're pouring into someone because everyone is dealing with something in life. But so if you could just focus on breathing life into their intellect, emotion, will through inspiration, encourage, and empowerment, you're going to make a difference. I always tell people, you don't need to be Tony Robbins to inspire someone. All you have to do is speak positively to somebody. Amazing what a positive attitude can do. And I love that you've created this structure to help people find that and develop it in their day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, clearly the book is rooted in, in your Christian faith, but do you think there are principles in here others can really benefit from? Oh, I, absolutely. I, I think probably the biggest challenge I encountered in writing this book was which audience I wanted it to be, um, because I knew that it could be written in a way that was more broad, more inclusive. Of, of different faiths and and just even the absence of it, just, you know, it, it's like I was, I mentioned with that passion purpose model, it's, it's really like a leadership model. So you really could apply it in a lot of secular ways too. And I think as I wrote it, it was tough. I went back and forth for years. And I think that was one of the reasons why I took so long to write it was which, which way I wanted to go. But in my mind, I really wanted to write it. That is the first book and let it be the foundation. And this was the toughest book I would say to write. Cause I really had to ground it in scriptural truth and theology. So it was more challenging. But it is certainly applicable um, to, I would say, all people. It really is. And, and actually, I was as I was walking to work today, I was kind of drafting up the vision for my next book. Um, and it's going to really be centered around leadership and passion and the passion and purpose model and really just focused on leading people and really impacting people from the inside out. So it's, it's very much so applicable. And I'm going to write a second book just to really demonstrate that, too. I mean, so many great leadership principles you've talked about here in, in empowering others and, and having it be more about ra- rising, raising others up and, and instead of about yourself. It's just so incredibly important. Uh, you know, one other concept uh, that you mentioned in the book that got my caught my attention was this idea of a passioneer. Can you share with us a little bit about what a passioneer is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's quite a few different definitions. Um, there's, there's the faith-based um, definition of it, and then there's the more neutral uh, definition of it. So from a faith standpoint, if you look at it, like an engineer, a lot of engineers, they, re- they remove roadblocks so that the architect's vision for a building, for example, could come to life. So in, in a faith format, the idea of this passioneer is someone that comes alongside someone to help them remove the barriers that could be in the way of them developing a relationship with God to really uncover what their calling is in life and really be lit up and on fire by, you know, from the Holy Spirit to continue forth in their life. That's, that's one definition that I use for it. And another definition you know, and I would use in, in, a, in a leadership model is that a passioneer does those three things. They inspire people, encourage people, and empower people. They're building people up and edifying them from the inside out, right? So that's why it's funny. It, it, it brings my background in engineering to life. Now, that's what's really interesting about, you know, the word because 
you know, you're not really an engineer, but you're, but you're, you're removing these roadblocks by inspiring, encouraging, empowering people. It's, it's building people up from the inside out. And I believe, I believe we're all called to be in, in a way a passioneer. How can I help someone be more passionate, right? By, by being someone that inspires, encourages, and empowers. I, I like this idea of marrying an engineer with, with delivering and helping people with passion and probably have some structure in there as well, I think is what you're getting at, which I really appreciate. So when you think about this whole book and this amazing journey you've been on and all this work you've done, you know, what, what do you think is the key message or lesson you want leaders to take away from your book? Wow. Who so many, I guess how I'll answer is based on what comes to mind, but I really think it comes down to the concept of seeking a life where you're building passion and not necessarily trying to find passion. And also this idea of that suffering is okay, right? Passion itself, it, it literally means to suffer. Passion means to suffer. So I, I think one of the missions I would, I would really share with folks is embrace the suffering that you endure in life because a fulfilling life isn't about me. It's not about you, but it's about the people around you. And I've learned that when we overcome our struggles, we're put in a position to really encourage other people and come alongside them. You know, And, and I think that's truly important. Help others. Don't be afraid to invite people into your journey and, yes. and let them help you when necessary. I, powerful, powerful message. Steve, I really appreciate the thoughts you have here. If people want to learn more about you and your book, where, where can they go to find you? Yeah. So the quickest way you can go to my website, www.passionwithpurpose.life. Um, you can find information on the book and you could find all of the links to my social media as well. But if you want to find me quickly on social media, just search Stephen with a V. F period, Mezzacapa. Passion with Purpose, The Fire Within, Building a Life of Fulfillment, Destiny, Impact is now available wherever you buy books online. Go out and get your copy today. Steve, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, John. I Pleasure to be with you. I'm your host, John Saunders. Keep moving forward.